Hello, my name is Miguel Resendiz. I'm a marketing professional, entrepreneur, and the host of this podcast, Midcast, a program where we discuss how to monetize your talent, ideas, and show examples of people who have successfully done so in the past. In this podcast, we aim to bring the best business and life insights to help you materialize your goals. An open mind will go a long way in this program, so fasten your seatbelts and get ready for the show. Welcome once again to yet another episode of your favorite podcast, Midcast. Today, I have with me Eduardo Lugo. He's a communications specialist at Astrobotic. How are you, Eduardo Lugo? I'm doing well, Miguel. Thank you very much. Happy to be here with you. Well, thanks uh, for coming once again. <laughs> so this is the second podcast we'll record. Um, and it's really nice to, to have you here. So tell us a little bit about what you do in Astrobotic. Yes, uh, uh, in Astrobotic, I am the RF communications lead engineer, and uh, um, my team and I are in charge of uh, making sure that we can communicate with our ship. And when I say communicate, I mean also um, tracking and ranging uh, that happens while you're, you know, tracking or, or communicating with our ship. Uh, we are also in charge of that system, so we are putting together the onboard communications, RF communications system on our ship, Peregrine. So, so you do, um, basically you do the communications, uh, you're the, you do the communications part of, of the, of the landing. How, how stressful is that job? Like, um, how many, how many times have you been yelled at, uh, during, during the mission? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Um, in, in, I'm sure it happens everywhere. Uh, in, in, when I was starting my career in Mexico, originally uh, from Mexico, I, I, um, I did, uh, uh, you know, see a couple of, uh, instances of that happening. Uh, here in the U.S., is, is I think, at least in my experience in the companies I've worked at. It's pretty rare. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And especially in this company, there are very tense moments, uh, especially when you're discussing um, the solutions, the possible solutions that you can uh, um, have for a problem or for uh, any given challenge. Uh, but not so much as uh, you know, somebody yelling at you because you haven't done what you're uh, supposed to do or you did uh, a poor job or a bad job, um, there definitely is a, a feedback and tell you, listen, uh, uh, you pay more attention here, there, but no, not so much as to being yelled at. That, that doesn't happen uh, often. Uh, it hasn't happened to me. And uh, yeah, I hope to <laughs> continue that, <laughs> continue that trend. And yeah, so the reason why I ask this is because oftentimes we see that uh, you know, pressure jobs with high pressure of um, kind of allow for for this kind of behavior to to happen often. But but it it, it almost looks like um, companies that are working in space have have kind of gotten used to this level of stress, like SpaceX or 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 even NASA, right? And it it, it looks like. Uh, failure obviously is not desired, but people are used to failure already um, because it is uh, 
it is a thing that is it is gonna happen for sure, and you just learn to accept it. So, uh, have you had any 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 failure in connecting to to any of the missions or any of the landers? So uh, we we haven't yet uh, um, you know launched a lander yet. Uh, so the two landers that are uh, that are being made right now that we have one bids for and that uh, we will launch at um, some point in time. I'm not yet in space, we haven't sent one yet. And uh, it, it does happen, I've, I've come from the satellite communications industry in which you make the calculations and you by all you know, accounts, you have good margin and you won't put your dish out there and there's no link. <laughs> uh, so that's when the troubleshooting starts. And yes, there are tense moments, especially when there are customers involved, that's when they really, the when they said the rubber meets the road, <laughs> the rubber meets the road, and um, yeah, you have to figure out what's happening and and and, and be quick too. Um, I, it's, it's, it's stressful, uh, no doubt, but uh, it's very rewarding too. Very very rewarding too. So I think that makes up for it. Cool. So I I think nowadays when a lot of people really attribute success or you know like what they define as success to to basically where they were born and how and the economic status that they were born at and uh, i know you're from puerto vallarta from my city right so um you have i think you you will define yourself as successful wouldn't you um Yes, I will. I will think that I have achieved some level of success. No, no question. Uh, I really, never thought that I'll be involved. <laughs> you know, with a company uh, launching a, a mission to the moon. Uh, that's that's beyond what I ever thought I could that could be involved with, uh, be part of. But I always thought that I could be part of something bigger than whatever I could do by myself. Okay. Uh, so that that is, I think, what will for me define success. Mm -hmm. Being being part of that that thing bigger than than whatever you know I could do by myself. Yeah, and so so a lot of people really. I think that nowadays you you see a lot of people saying, "Look, uh, I'm not successful because I wasn't born into this, into this type of family or." My family couldn't afford uh, certain education, but for you, you were uh, born in Puerto Vallarta, and you studied in a public university in Mexico City. And when I, and when we mean public, is actually like is is it free? Is is the Instituto Politécnico <laughs> Nacional free? I I don't know right now. I, I do remember, uh, and this was even even for a person of you know, a working family. Um, a, a low middle maybe middle class um, uh, to to see how ridiculous inexpensive it was when I was there I think they charged us like fifty dollars per semester the equivalent of fifty dollars per semester uh, and I even then I thought like what this is ridiculous I mean look at this place it has laboratories it has equipment it has library and 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 uh, <laughs> this is how much it costs too. I mean, the professors—they were like 
yeah, first class, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, people that have written their own books. And, and so and, and to me, it was really surprising that that was the case. It, it is uh, uh, so degree three, but, um, you know, I don't know if you've been to uh, examine the admission, you know, like a, <laughs> a test to, to be admitted, admission test to, to the university or to the polytechnical. Uh, when I did it, um, there was a schedule, they scheduled by last name and they have throughout the week. I think it started on Saturday actually, and then on Wednesday, I believe. Um, so they scheduled it so that you'll show up <laughs> and they will fill the Auditorio Nacional. <laughs> it was Auditorio Nacional, it was at the, uh, the Olympic swim pool uh, uh, that they fill up, uh, uh, not swim pool, but you know, the stands. And uh, you had two hours to, to go through your uh, test and get out because the next wave is coming in. And they did that throughout uh, uh, like uh, five days. So it was, it was just the amount of people that applied to get into this university. That was pretty astonishing. And um, yeah, I, lucky enough, I had good grades and I uh, guess I did well in the test and <laughs> I got in. So it, it's cheap, but it's very difficult to get in. So um, where do you study your high school? I study high school in, in uh, Puerto Vallarta. So I, I, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Sabetis, which is actually, you know, I probably heard of it. Uh, it, is a, it is a pretty cool school, uh, Sabetis. I always really admire people that study there because it is pretty hard, especially in math and, you know, like STEM fields. Um, people were always ahead of private schools, which was uh, pretty impressive to me. Yes, the, uh, the, the um, director, the dean of the school when I was there uh, was really interested in elevating the, the level of school. They, um, they were able to <laughs> snag, I would say, a couple of professors from uh, Mexico City, uh, one of them coming from National Polytechnic Institute, uh, the School of uh, Physics and Mathematics. And the other one was from the Universidad Autónoma de Mexico uh, in mathematics. He was an engineer. He's an engineer, uh, and they hire a couple of people from uh, uh, computing uh, uh, and, and in other areas. They, they were really, really strong in math and, and technology, or you know, as, as, as high tech as it gets there. Um, uh, I was the first generation that there was a computing lab in the in the school, but I was uh, electromechanics because I knew I knew that if I wanted to study electronics, I had to do something uh, closer to to electronics, electromechanics. That was the closest thing. Um, so that was the the um, what's it said the technical subject that I took in that school. Um, yeah, and very strong in math. Very strong math. I didn't struggle for the first three semesters in in uh, in university in polytechnical. I didn't struggle with math. Uh, yeah. uh, I was that uh, well prepared by my professors there. So what would you say is the most important thing to have uh, a good math skill? Do you think it is talent or or is it all about the way you were educated in math? Because um, honestly, I, I see you and your brother are really good at, at math. And um, both of you are brothers, so I assume it's a family thing to be good at math. But <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking: is it like uh, a trait that you that you're born with, or is it a way of educating? 
uh, your kid, for example? I, I don't, I, I, I couldn't pinpoint what it is. I think it's a combination of things. You know, my parents were really, really, uh, they really believed that education was the way uh, to, to, you know, be successful, to, to you know, um, have a better life. Uh, so they, they were really into, you know, doing the homework when they arrived from work at night, both of them, they were like, okay, have you done your homework? And, and when they couldn't, you know, follow what we were doing when I was high school already doing derivatives and calculus in general, um, they, they found, uh, you know, uh, somebody that could help us too. Um, but I think it is instilling that belief that they have that education is the way. So once, uh, uh, you know, there are people that are skilled people and people have to practice whatever it is that they do, sports, you know, or, or school, whatever it is. Some people are skilled by nature uh, and some people have to practice a lot and they can both be as successful, I think. Um, but for people, for both of them, if you don't instill in them the need, if you don't, you know, make them believe that that's the way to do it, neither of them will be successful. Somebody can waste all their talent and not amount to much. Uh, and some of them can, you know, really work really hard just to find that they wanted to do something else. <laughs> and they become really good at something and then just do a, a, go and do something else. So if you instill in, in, in people that, that and, and they finally agree and they, they think that way too, in other words, they're motivated that is the way to do it. So I guess it was that motivation. I don't know where I found mine. I, I don't remember. I knew I wanted to be an engineer. So I guess that that uh, <laughs> that helped. Uh, and if math was going to be, uh, uh, you know, the thing I had to master, then I did it. Uh, my brother, I don't know, he, he had certain skill level that I, I didn't find everywhere. So he was skilled at, at that. Uh, but he also somehow thought this is the way I want to know more. He was in, in, in uh, you know, first uh, right in secondary school. Um, and I would teach him what he was going to see next week, what he was going to receive next, uh, you know, month. Oh, you're seeing this. Uh, this is what you're going to see next. And he, he loved that. He showed up in school and showed them what he could do. And he come back from school and said, like, teach me what I'm going to see next year. <laughs> so he was really that motivated to it. So it was really, really interesting to see that. Yeah, like he's, I, I have a ton of respect for your brother, uh, Rodrigo, which uh, he was kind of the reason why I passed my math classes in university. I mean, <laughs> he was my teacher and, or he was my tutor more like, and and, and his ways of teaching is really good, honestly. Like, he really likes math. He doesn't see it as a boring thing. I think he, he understands it in, in a way that very few people do. And, um, and that's why I was wondering if you had the same sort of, like, uh, perspective. Because, I mean, both of you are good at math, no question about that. Um, both of you are engineers, and, and both of you are pretty successful at it. So that's why uh, if I wanted to talk to Rodrigo, and I wanted to talk to you. Um, to begin with and and I have seen a lot of people really saying that there is a myth about meritocracy but you're kind of the you're the the living proof that meritocracy is still alive and still a real thing I mean you were not put there by your rich parents 
you really are in you you come from the same kind of the same strata as I do like you know middle class in Puerto Vallarta and now you are working in Pittsburgh landing things on the moon right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it has it has uh, you know make meritocracy I think an complete absolutes are are, um, are dangerous, right? So you cannot say a meritocracy is the only thing that, that will survive, that will, you know, have a place in society. It has to be a, a, a good balance there. Um, but definitely is something that, that uh, has a place and it better have place. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that is that is everything. I mean, you, you cannot fault people for not uh, reaching uh, their their initial goal. Uh, it happens. Uh, I've I've seen so many cases um, when I started uh, uh, high school. Sabetis, uh, uh, we started about sixty, uh, about sixty students, sixty five or something. By the third semester, we will have. And you know how many in my specialty and specialization uh, uh, graduated, like like free without having to to redo any subjects. Uh, there were only like ten or eleven people. When I joined, uh, when I when I moved and went to university, basically the same thing happened. We were about thirteen full classrooms of thirty something people. Um, in the morning and in the evening, so there was the, the you know the morning and evening uh, 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 schedules. Uh, by the end of the third semester, there were half of them uh, only, and then they started thinning out even more. <laughs> so uh, I've seen and, and and you know I've heard of difficult difficult uh, uh, stories. People uh, work in the morning and they go to school at night and full-time school i'm talking about a few subjects mm -hmm. or that uh, so in and many of them well didn't make it some of them did and, and, but many of them didn't make it so you cannot fault anybody for, for not doing well uh, but meritocracy yes i believe has a place yeah like uh, i don't think there is a hundred percent meritocracy like sometimes luck is involved and i had another guest in the podcast who, who mentioned, um, yeah, luck is one of the most important things um, for your success because if you don't have it, you know, he, he said something like, um, if, if, if you don't attribute some of your success to luck, then you're lying, basically. <laughs> That's what he said. And I totally agree with him. Um, I wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't for luck. You know, like... Uh, I mean, because my dad told me that he wanted me to to leave to another country just for like a couple of months um, before I got into UDG, Universidad of Guadalajara, and and that and and I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I came to Vancouver, and I really liked it here. And you know, you you can see the differences between Mexico and, and Vancouver, obviously. And you're like, wow, I'm, I I don't want to go back there, right? Or I, I want to stay here a little bit longer. That was the, the that was the initial thought. I just want to stay here a little bit longer, so, so some somehow I ended up studying my university degree here. You know, it, it was a bunch of things that happened. But one of the things that, that that happened is that I I did study English for my entire life, right? And it was basically every day uh, after school for like two hours, 
And that really, and it was a sacrifice. I couldn't go out with my friends because I also had to do homework. So it was two hours of my of my day during every day for my during my adolescence. What this mean? What I'm trying to say here is that you definitely have a way to to kind of uh, influence the outcome of your success. And maybe as as you said earlier, you didn't your original goal was not to be landing things on the moon, but, but I mean, you're doing it and I'm pretty sure you like it, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it, uh, it's, it's, it's so hard. I never, you know, uh, read so much and learned so much in such a short period of time. I started in Astrobotic only last year, September last year. So uh, I've, I've learned so much uh, and, and, and there's so much still uh, to be learned, uh, but I agree with, you and your friend, luck plays a role, it, it always does, but you have to make it happen still. Um, it's like, yes, you cannot win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket, right? <laughs> so yeah, winning it is gonna be luck, but if you don't have a ticket, there's no way you're gonna win it. Uh, uh, so in, in the same way, I, I believe you are, everybody's presented with point, uh, with luck, certain level of luck at points in time, and it depends how they use it, uh, you know, how much I make out of that situation. Yeah, I think one important thing with log is you should be prepared to take advantage of it because, right. you know, it is like, I mean, this is a very stupid example, but I'm going to give it anyways. Um, basically, it is like you're in the bar, right? And then there's this really cute girl and you want to hang out with her, right? But if you don't, if, if you don't go prepared, if you didn't, if you don't smell good, if your hair is horrible and you're you're wearing like just regular clothes and you haven't really taken care of yourself for like a couple of days, then it is likely that you're not gonna make it, right? It's just your your initial presentation won't make it, right? So once that happens, then you're like, well, this was the cutest girl probably in the world, and, and you missed the opportunity just because you were lazy that night. So uh, no, I, I see the point. I see the point. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, yes, <laughs> I agree. Or, 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 or another easier example probably is like uh, it is like a bus, right? You, in order to get into the bus, you need to have the fare to get in. And I think the fare for us to take advantage of our um, to take advantage of our luck is to be prepared. And if we don't have the preparation necessary to to do it then you cannot do it. So like, it is the same for you. you for you to work in this, in, in this agency, you need to be a permanent resident, right? Correct, that's absolutely so right. If so if they come looking for you, you have all the skills, you have everything, but you neglected the process of becoming a permanent resident, you wouldn't be able to be there, right? That is correct, yes, very right. Yeah, so like, even, it is not all about studying, but it's about, you know, uh, knowing the bureaucracy of the place that you're living in and taking advantage of it and also making sure that um, that you get the tools that are necessary for you. That's correct. You, you got to be ready for that, that when that opportunity presents itself, to take, be ready to take advantage of it. So let's go. So I wanted to explore a little bit your background just because it is interesting. And I want to, I want people to know that you were not a spoiled kid from uh, Mexico and, and put in 
in this private school where you had a, a, a personal teacher that taught you how to do math every day. So I just wanted to, to explore a little bit your background. So can, would you mind telling us a little bit about how the process was for you to move from, you know, uh, Mexico to the U.S. And, and why did you decide to go to the U.S.? Yes, uh, definitely. We uh, uh, have to, to explore a little bit that, that area. It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, early enough in my life, I was, uh, mm, I was lucky, talking about luck again, lucky to have decided what I wanted to do for a living. Um, I, I met uh, an engineer that was working for, I believe, GE, who was installing this medical equipment in the new hospitals in Puerto Vallarta, Samacu. He was installing the MRI equipment. And I thought, well, this is pretty cool. These guys get to work for this kind of company, uh, traveling and getting uh, involved with this kind of technology uh, is just you know, very, very interesting to me, and I would like to uh, do something like that. So I decided I want to I want to be just like this person. I learned that he went to National Polytechnic Institute and what career he studied, um, and that's why even from junior high I knew what I what I wanted. So um, I know uh, that engineering then requires a lot of math. That requires a lot of dedication. You know, I, I knew the, the parents of this person too. So they talked to me. He really, he really had to, you know, put a lot of effort in doing and achieving what he has achieved. So I, I, from that point on, it was like, oh yeah, I have to. This is what I have to do. Um, I not, it's not living like a monk, <laughs> especially when you're a kid. I did so many other things, but never losing sight of. What, what you want, what I wanted. Um, so yeah, um, I started uh, that way. I, I picked like, uh, what is that? Electric uh, as my um, subject in, in junior high. It was a technical school, uh, electricity. So um, I studied there. I learned the basics of uh, electricity and parallel and serial circuits and whatnot. Uh, after that, I knew I had to do something uh, along the lines of electronics, and the closest thing was the Sabetis uh, uh, with their electromechanics, uh, um, electromechanics program. So I joined there, and again, I, I, it was a big effort that I, that I put uh, to, to succeed there, to do well, got good grades, important to get into university, and especially in math, uh, physics. So I had to. Uh, I was involved in the competition. I don't know if you remember those things. You have like uh, among the schools, you had the fair, like the math fair, physics fair, and uh, STEM. You want to call it that way. So I was involved in that too. So I was not the smartest kid. I did well though. Um, and and then uh, again, lucky enough to be able to get get a spot in 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 the National Polytechnic Institute. When I finished there, I knew I had to learn a little bit more. I knew that uh, competition was, was tough out there. Um, so I decided to uh, do a master's degree in uh, digital systems was what it was offered in one of the uh, foreign centers, the National Polytechnic Institute in Tijuana. So I um, 
I joined that program and for the first time almost, I really, really struggled with math, that high, high order math. I was really, really, <laughs> really difficult, but very interesting. Uh, we will um, we really put a lot of effort to, to pass even, forget about good grace anymore. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a challenge, but uh, we learned a lot. And, and I mean, after that, then I knew, yes, this is, this is something I can use. This, this is what I've learned here. It's something that, that will allow me to, to um, you know, enter the workforce with a good level. I started working for uh, uh, TV stations in Mexico City. And, and that was my idea. I said, if I want to work in this digital uh, video, digital TV environment. Uh, if I do not succeed or if I don't find it interesting, then I'll try to work uh, elsewhere outside Mexico, somewhere that I can get involved with technology, not only as a user, like most companies in Mexico will do, just push buttons and do the kind of things, but in the development of it in the research and development of that uh, new technology. So I stayed for a little bit in, in, in that TV uh, station in, in Mexico City. And um, afterwards, I left and started looking for a job in the US, looking to get more um, involved, more closely involved with technology. Um, I, since I've lived in Tijuana while I was doing the master's degree, I moved back there with some friends and I started doing some interviews in the US, in San Diego. That would have been nice. <laughs> but a company that I met when I was working at uh, the TV station, I, uh, they called me back. I, I, I called them when I left and told them that I was interested in joining their team. I liked the way they were set up, a small company, but doing very interesting things. Um, I've been there to bring some equipment for quick repair. So it was a turnaround. So I was there, they popped the lid open. I saw what they did, they prepared it, and then they sent me back with a, uh, with a fresh unit, um, with a working unit. And that was, first of all, it was a great experience. They were really helpful. And second, I really loved what they did there, right, right in the spot. Uh, so I, I, I told them that I, was looking for a job in the U.S. At the time, they said, okay, we'll keep you in mind. Right now, we're not looking. But a couple months later, they come back and say, like, now we're looking and uh, we'd like to, uh, uh, we'd like you to uh, come here to have an in-person interview. Uh, and after that, that's when I started working in the U.S. Uh, they, they took care of the H-1B. And I don't know if you know this, but there is like very limited amount of H-1B visas that the U.S. issues every year. And most of them goes, goes to the big companies, you know, the Google, the Apple, the um, um, Microsoft uh, programmers and, and things like that. So there are very few left for anybody else. And, and yes, uh, uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, to, uh, to snag one of those at the time they applied. My idea though, was not to em immigrate to the US. I wanted to become a, a, a citizen, stay here for good. Uh, my idea was to use the six years that the H-1B visa allows you to be here legally and then, you know, acquire as much, as much knowledge as I could and then go back to, to, uh, uh, to Mexico. But as, as, as things go, um, there is another visa that is, was created with the uh, NAFTA. 
and that's a TN visa. And with that, uh, it was another company interested in me and said, well, we can, we can uh, keep you on the TN for the time being. Well, we actually, if you want to stay, we can uh, sponsor you for a green card. And that's when I thought, well, yeah, maybe I can stay a little longer here and, and, and see, uh, you know, how, how much of a career I can have here. And, and so that's, that's, how, that's how it went. That's how I moved to, to the U.S. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's been a while and I find that it's, it's so very interesting. I mean, it, it just keeps me so um, on my toes that, yeah, I, I think I'm well on my way to becoming eventually a citizen um, because it's just, I mean, the, the, the career opportunities here that's so, so great. Yeah, yeah. The the U.S. is highly criticized, but we have to give it a merit in the good things that they have, which is a lot of opportunities for people all over the world. I mean, um, that's one of the that's one of the reasons why they call it the American dream. Do you, would you say you're living the American dream right now? <laughs> I think I've been living it for a while. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you you if if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to to uh, uh, you know stay in. Uh, and 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 you know uh, put in the effort yes uh, you live the American dream so um, now moving on to your time in astrobotics or astrobotic sorry astrobotic right I messed that up all the time <laughs> so I messed it up sometimes too <laughs> so your time in astrobotic uh, tell us what's the most exciting part of working in astrobotic in general <clears throat> Well, uh, I got to say that, uh, start by saying this, uh, I, I can't think of another company, another group of people in another place to be building a planetary lander than Astrobody. It has been a great experience. It has been uh, uh, fun, uh, stressful, but fun. And, and um, I think, the idea that uh, you can work on something that is going to be placed, that's going to be landed on the moon, is really super exciting. Uh, as I've said before, I was in the process of looking uh, for um, another opportunity for my next step in my career when this company approached me and said, "Like, oh, would you like to join us on our way to the moon?" <laughs> and I didn't have to think too long about it. When somebody tells you you like to join us on our way to the moon, yeah, you gotta say yes. Um, For sure. So it's, it's it's super exciting just to think that we can do that, that, that we're aiming to do that, that we have two missions already awarded by NASA to do it. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's quite exciting. So the work that we have to put in, um, as long as you have your objective well defined. You, you find that it is possible to put in the work. So in in the website, you guys mentioned that there are many different reasons why someone will want to put uh, something on the moon. And some of it is educational, uh, research space, and things like that. But one of them that caught my eye, and I'm a marketer, and obviously I'm interested in that, is for promotional purposes. So... When, when you mean uh, promotional purposes, does that mean 
um, something like, you know, putting like an advertisement in the moon, like a flag with, with your, um, with your sticker or how, how does that work? Um, well, there, there's been some jokes, uh, at least internally in the company, you know, like you may see in the future stickers of Dunkin' Donuts on the side of a rocket going to the moon, you know. <laughs> so that will be a, a, a very big promotional thing to do, right? Right now you have the payload on top, maybe a sticker of them over there, and on the side of the rocket you have either NASA or you have SpaceX or Blue Origins. But if other companies are interested and, and you know, would like to advertise that way for them work and it works for them, then uh, yes, uh, I can see other ways. For instance, uh, in, in this is public knowledge in the website, DHL is, is uh, you know, is part of this uh, promotional effort that's delivered by DHL now, even to the moon. Um, so they, they are um, they're involved with this moon box in which you can put just about anything you want, as long as, it's, uh, as, long as it doesn't present, represent a, a risk to the mission uh, and, and send it to the moon, whether it, it is a memento, you know, wedding ring, hair lock, uh, something, uh, you know, memory of like maybe a mixtape or something, a CD. Yeah. Um, you can put it in that in that moon box and ship it, and DHL would like to be involved in that, saying deliver by DHL. How so? Uh, many opportunities. How how much will um, let's say um, a, a CD last in the moon? Because there's a lot of radiation, right, from the sun. And I think that will just destroy it eventually, right? Uh, I guess anything will be uh, uh, eventually, the conditions on the moon are pretty hard. So yeah, eventually things will, will not last uh, forever there. I don't know about uh, how long it will last in a working condition. Um, uh, definitely the, even the temperature swings um, will cause things to decay pretty quickly. Um, even the physical attributes to it. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think uh, it's a matter of sending something that is, is still working, is, so to speak, but uh, just the fact that you have something in the moon. <laughs> that, that, is the, that is the idea there. Yeah, I, I, I understand it. Um, one, of my, one of my dreams, um, or not one of my dreams, but you know, if I was gonna die, I, I always thought I wanna die in the most epic way i want to have my i actually want to go to space right and basically have this little capsule like a, that basically has everything a main cave can have and that will be um the all the movies i wanted to watch forever right that will also be the, all the music i wanted to watch um video games all the food I could I could eat, and and send that, and I just would like to send that um, that capsule to deep space, just not in orbit, just to deep space, and once uh, once I went, I went, I was tired of living, you know, I, I'm assuming I'm old here, like like <laughs> 85 or something, so like pretty old. So once I'm tired of living, then I just. I just inject myself with something that will kill me slowly, and then I depressurize the, the cabin, and pop. I should be, I should be, I, I should be a, a good experiment for aliens because then aliens will be like, "Look, this is a preserved human. Uh, 
looks quite old or I don't, I don't know if humans are I don't know if they will know if I'm old or not but they will just figure out that there is a living thing that came from somewhere and and then they will see all the culture right all the culture of humanity especially my culture which will be amazing I think if that's what <laughs> happened but there is another case that I will I'll crash with a supernova or something and then I'll just disappear yes uh, open uh, you know space and, and the moon and space and you know even planets to uh, commercial um, companies uh, allows for it to be used in many different ways to have people ideas on how they would like to expense uh, you know the last few bucks and uh, <laughs> what they would like to do with the remains some people want to send um, uh, some people think of sending like ashes of somebody you know some relative or so um, well, you probably will be a good subject to, uh, um, uh, for next, uh, for the next uh, SpaceX Elon Musk experiment. I think so. Uh, do you remember he sent his, uh, first, uh, Tesla Roadster yeah. with a dummy in it and you tried to hit Mars with it. He tried oh, yeah? to put it on Mars. Yeah. So he didn't just send it out. There was an objective, and, and that objective was uh, Mars. Did he hit they, it or not? Or did he miss? <laughs> no, they, he missed. Um, oh, shit. He missed. Uh, I don't know what that thing is. Probably has uh, uh, pretty good, uh, you know, you described pretty well what could happen <laughs> to it eventually. Uh, it was equipped with some communication equipment, so it was sending some pictures on its way. I don't think it sent pictures too, from too far away. I think maybe cislunar level yeah. and then and then you couldn't transmit anymore um that that just shows you that it's, it's pretty difficult to to uh, reach these kind of uh, you know objectives these kind of things uh, on a single shot for sure um but yeah it's, it's opening to it's opening uh, 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 i mean space is being opened now to commercial companies and and that's great things going to become cheaper you're going to they're going to be more alternatives and uh, probably also more uh, um, uh, safer, you know, that would be safer uh, also because it is pretty dangerous right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's serious stuff. How? So I was reading recently that the sun is very loud, and even if we are sending um, radio waves at an increasingly high rate nowadays, um, the sound is the sound of the sun or like the noise that the sun produces is so loud that our radio signals will be completely um, eclipsed by them. And then even if there's life out there, they wouldn't be able to perceive us just because of how noisy the space is in reality. Well, um, there, are, um, uh, there are several uh, um, probes that have been sent to its space and they're still transmitting. I think there is one uh, maybe a couple months ago, I heard there was one close to Saturn, in which uh, they were um, they were uh, getting some signals, some photographs that it was the probe was taking. Um, it is possible. They in in in. I don't exactly know what was the um, uh, how to say it. Um, the context in which they they said that the sun was loud. I I can tell you that. Uh, by working on, you know, satellite communications links. And so when you have your satellite, <laughs> your earth station uh, and the sun in the background of the satellite, uh, you get a lot of interference. 
So even that communication link that is usually working, when the sun goes right behind your satellite, and depending how large your antenna on, on, on Earth is, you will have what is known as a sun blackout. So the, the, the link will, will be interrupted while the sun passes by. So twice a year uh, for geosynchronous satellites, uh, there will be a, a few minutes of outage uh, because of, of the sun. So the sun, if you are trying to commu communicate directly with the sun, with the sun in the background, that's going to be very challenging. There are probes close to the sun right now too, and they can, uh, they have been transmitting information. That's how we learned, for instance, that maybe two, three weeks ago, there was going to be a show of uh, northern lights in, in, in the northern side of uh, the US. They had probes that, that detected some flares from the sun and said like, this is going to cause some northern lights. Um, it wasn't as spectacular as it was built. Um, I think they were expecting a level two, level three, but uh, they, they didn't, it didn't get there. But uh, they can, they, so it works. What I'm trying to say is that even those probes that are close to the sun can send uh, signals back to Earth. Uh, they have to move a little bit away and then you know transmit uh, because if you are directly in line of sight of the sun, that's going to be really, really challenging. So now that you're, I mean, obviously um, everybody loves to work for, for space company and, and you have had your, your communications with NASA probably. Um, so how does, it, how does it feel telling to your mom or to your dad, look, I, I'm working with NASA in this project. <laughs> like, how, like how weird is that? Do you, do you ever thought that you would say that to your mom? I never thought I would say that to, to my parents to tell them that, you know, I mean, I was not even a week in the company when we had our first call with a team of like four or five engineers from NASA <laughs> that they were trying to hand over the, the uh, you know, uh, the project. Uh, it was even for me, it was like, well, <laughs> that was quite a call. Um, and, and in general, I mean, uh, it has been the surprise after surprise, uh, 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 of experience and yes it's surreal to tell them that, that that's what is happening they also are like sometimes what <laughs> um but also what i feel a lot is the responsibility you know uh, so that communication that goes back and forth uh, you have to be really really careful of what you're doing be very sure of the things that you are saying and and, and doing so it's a big responsibility as well uh, working for uh, uh, for for NASA on a NASA mission or on a NASA program, this is really uh, really challenging and really uh, um, a big responsibility. I can imagine, and honestly, um, I mean, I I, could, I couldn't imagine the the importance of your job because you're basically making sure that there is communication between the 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 team in here on Earth and the in the in the rover that's gonna be land or the lander in in the moon right so um now i i think last time we talked about like the stress that goes into it uh how do you usually handle stress uh what what is your technique because i think that's something that our listeners could really gain value from is uh stress relieving uh techniques and for someone that works in space i think that's the most stressful thing that you could do 
<laughs> I think um, that is, uh, how to say it, the easy stressful, but it's, it's rewarding too. I guess you have to, uh, in my case, what has worked for me is focus on, uh, on, the, um, on the reward focus on, on the, when you have, even if it is incremental uh, uh, success on the things that you are focusing on. You know, now I'm working on the antennas, now I'm working on the cables, now I'm working on the uh, different things. Uh, and as you start taking, uh, as, as those things start taking shape and you start crossing things out into, on your list, then you have to take some, uh, you know, relief on that. You have to say, that, yeah, that it's moving along. So. And, and at the same time, is the team that you work with. You know, they, they, these people know um, that what they're doing is, is important, it's challenging. But at the same time, they know how to uh, every now and then disconnect and, and, and you know, uh, let trouble behind. And, uh, you know, go back to it when you're, um, when you're uh, ready again and, and start, start doing your best. So it is stressful, but it's important to know how to disconnect every now and then. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so recently I, I talked to someone that, uh, that was encouraging to be able to be a leader. I don't know if you consider yourself a leader, but uh, you know, he said like leaders um, usually lead without ego and, and also you lead with your influence and basically by listening to others and also understanding where others are coming from. Um, would you would you classify your, yourself as a leader in in your team, and and how will that leadership uh, be taking place there? It is a it is a, an important you know an important thing. A team does need a leader. A, a team uh, needs some direction, and and my do I, am I a leader? I I, I do have <laughs> the title of uh, communications lead engineer, um, but it is important to to understand that the, the leader doesn't mean that um, you know it all and then you can do it all and and you have all the answers, uh, but that is able to guide. Your team in the right direction to 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 achieve what you're what you're trying to do, um, and that means a lot of time listening to your team members. Many of them are the experts in their fields, and that uh, you have to uh, be willing and and be uh, uh, open to those uh, ideas, to those discussions. Um, um, as a leader, I take uh, I take more of. Um, what do you need kind of role? What do you need to do what you're doing? Uh, are you missing something? Do you need some training here or there? Um, and, and that is uh, the way I think um, my role is being fulfilled. There are different kinds of leaders, you know, uh, like CEOs of companies, uh, which you know, on their shoulders lies <laughs> the whole future of that company. There are leaders that have, uh, that have founded their own company like uh, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. And um, it's a bit of a different kind of leadership, I think. Uh, my case uh, is, is just, it's just different, uh, but I see myself as a, as a vessel and how to, how we can get things done. 
we are all, you know, even if it is stressful, even if there are discussions in which the level is raised and like uh, uh, the level of voice, uh, you know, becomes louder and, and it's not so much yelling at each other, but that discussion is really, really, uh, you know, some people get sometimes agitated. It's important to keep a cool head and, and just be the vessel to, to see how you can achieve. We're all working towards the same goal. So keep that in mind and, and, and not lose track of that, what that goal is and, and, and be the vessel to, to uh, help your team members to do what they're, uh, what they're doing. Yeah, that's um, completely, I think, what leadership is. You know, try to help people achieve their goals and, 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 and basically try to be as pragmatic and objective, objective as possible not let your emotions get in the way of getting the job done. Um, well done and well said. <laughs> um, one question I wanted to ask you, and I think this is basically um, my own curiosity. How close have you been to, to meeting an astronaut? Or have you met an astronaut? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I have not uh, in person. Um, NASA has been, um, how to say it, uh, has been trying to make them accessible to, to people in the in the way of doing these kind of things. You know, they 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 interview them. They allow people to uh, see those interviews live, and you can type questions to see if they can uh, answer them. Uh, they have been really uh, um, um, trying to open up the field and make this more accessible to everybody, so that there is more interested in in in, in space. Um, but no, I have not. Uh, I have not met any astronaut. Uh, not yet. Hopefully, sometime. Yeah, that's one of my dreams to be able to talk to an astronaut and you know uh, figure out everything that goes into the mind of an astronaut. But I think one one thing that you and an astronaut all have in common is during the mission when when the mission is going on. Um, I think you you guys have to dissect the problems in the in a similar way, which is. Uh, what's the first thing that, that can, or what's the most likely thing that can destroy my ship or, or that can kill me, right? Um, or that can cut the communications. And then you have to also um, uh, then start solving the problems one by one and, and, fi and be figure and always be, a, you know, in this defensive mechanism that your, your body has inside of it and, and just fixing all these problems and preventing all these little issues. However, we have seen uh, catastrophic failure in the past with um, the with these astronauts that, that die, right? Like, what, what was the the name of the mission when 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 the rocket uh, exploded in in the atmosphere? Uh, Re-entering the Earth. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I remember that. I, I can't recall it right now. Um, the, it was the space shuttle that, that was uh, one of the space shuttles that was coming back to Earth and and uh, disintegrated upon <laughs> hitting the atmosphere. That was, that was a terrible thing um, that happened. Uh, space is, is, is hard. Space is unforgiven. Uh, <laughs> they, they have to be really, really careful on, on the things that, that, that you're doing. Uh, and, and, but you know, there, there is sometimes, uh, you know, these, these astronauts pay the ultimate, pri uh, ultimate <laughs> price to, um, for, for um, 
pretty much for humanity, I think. They, they were the pioneers that they wanted to point out space, uh, you know, the, one of the first few ones uh, to make then, to gather all this information that now have that can make it um, possible for commercial companies to actually do it too, uh, to make it safer too. So it is a, it is a sad um, event, but one that from which I think uh, the community in general uh, has learned a lot and, and had to make things safer. Um, things happen, it's, 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 I mean, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, people are some people are afraid of flying, just simple planes. Uh, and yet a friend of mine has a very pragmatic way to putting it. According to statistics, I mean, uh, you are more likely to be killed on the road <laughs> than, than, than on a plane, than on a flight. Uh, so when he uh, arrives from a business trip, uh, uh, when he lands, calls his wife and says, like, yeah, I landed safely and all is well. Now I'm going to get in the real dangerous part of my trip, which is the road. <laughs> uh, so is, is, is there are challenges. Is, 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 there are challenges. It's difficult. It's unforgiving. Uh, but I, I believe to be worth it. We, we need to become as a suspicious. We need to become a, a, an interplanetary species. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I really hope we can we can manage to to explore the at least our, our own um, solar system. You know, just explore. I don't think we need to. I don't think we we will be living in a different planet or a moon from a different planet anytime soon. But it will be really interesting to explore, right? And to see what's what it is like in other places, and also be able to be able to extract resources that are you know, they're not being used and hopefully we can mine them and bring them back to earth because um, I really see a, a lot of potential from that. You know, like we, I think we often satanize the, the exploitation of natural resources, but um, what if you go to another planet and take them, I think that's fair. Nobody's using them and we are the only living things as far as I know that need them. And yeah, I think that's, that's pretty fair. It's, uh, it's, there are many applications, there are many reasons why, uh, you know, space exploration is a, is a very important subject and, and has gathered a lot of uh, interest from big companies and there are companies that, that are being funded just for that. Uh, so I, I, among them is, yes, mining. Uh, I think the Chinese probe recently just took off from the moon. <laughs> to come back to Earth to, uh, with a sample of, of the moon, um, of the moon rock. I think that's one of the, one of the uses of it. Um, some other people think maybe a colony in, in, in another planet is, is, is the objective. I think, um, I think it's, it's all of it, but uh, after, you know, considering after you've been here a while, you, you've heard about many different ways that the planet Earth can be, you know, yield inhabitable anymore. Um, so it is, it is, I think, in our best interest as a society, as humanity, to have a, a backup plan. And if that means to establish a colony elsewhere, uh, I think, yes, that's a possibility too.
Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, I think the prices of bring of bring, bringing things to other planets will probably always be crazy expensive. I mean, just how much does it cost to send uh, something to the moon? You said that you can send rings or something like that. So how much does it cost per kilogram? So, um, and this is advertised on our web page uh, on our uh, mission one, Peregrine mission one. Um, the, the price is $1.2 million per kilogram of mass. So, um, as long as it can fit within our ship and it weights that, and you have that money to pay for, we'll, we'll send it for you. Um, but that's, how to say it, that's the starting point. Uh, that's the one company. And if you have more and more companies, there is more competition, uh, processes are streamlined, uh, things are safer to do, and uh, prices will come down too. Um, so I think, I think eventually things will become more affordable. If not more affordable, at least you'll have more options and uh, things can, can start taking off from there. Yeah, because um, I think that's one of the main the main reasons we haven't really managed to go to space. But I think there is a there is this program with Virgin Galactica um, that will basically basically bring you to the front the, the basically the frontier to space. You know, like the the border, and they they go all the way up to a hundred kilometers, and then they they are there for like five minutes, and then they bring you down. Then that that's like two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. That's correct. So th there are um, how to say it? that that's there is a final goal, but there is there has to be uh, in, intermediary steps. You know, they have to be stepping stones. Um, Elon Musk's company SpaceX disrupted the launch uh, satellite launch industry. They they came up with this new way to do things that will make um, launch uh, cheaper. Uh, did they? Did, did did Elon Musk have in mind just to make uh, satellite launch uh, cheaper, more affordable, or does he have another uh, another idea behind that? Is that the final goal? I don't think so. I think that way he can um, get a share of that business. You know, it's difficult if you are selling the exact same thing that all the three or four companies are doing. What, how, why, why would any, anybody have an incentive to, to go with you? So he, he, uh, he found a way to land those rockets that otherwise were wasted and thrown into the water, uh, into the sea, and reuse them. And, and he was successful. That way he was able to reduce the, the, the cost and, and therefore the price. And... What, but what, what is the objective? What was he trying to do? Uh, just uh, beat the other companies at launch services? I think so. That is being, those funds, I believe, are being used to fund his real objective, which is, uh, uh, you know, reach the moon, reach Mars. Uh, so it's, it's a matter of, of what is the next step um, for Virgin Galactic to have this uh, space tourism space, uh, public space tourism, uh, it is, I don't think his final goal. I don't think he plans so, or was it Rich, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Richard um, Branson. Richard Branson. I don't think his goal is to become the, you know, uh, uh, the tourist, uh, space tourist 
lord of the world. There's something else out there. He, he wants also to contribute to, uh, you know, making space uh, available to humans, making uh, making planets uh, available to, to humans, not only tourism. But space. his approach is a bit different, right? Because they don't use a rocket, they use an airplane. Isn't that correct? Uh, yes, I believe one of the shuttles also launched from a, a plane. They were carrying it, they dropped it off, uh, reached attitude, and then showed up. Uh, I believe that was also one of the, the approaches used by NASA at some point in time. Uh, so yes, that's, that's what he's doing, uh, um, as far as I know. <laughs> as far as I've heard, I haven't followed very, very closely. But uh, yes, it, it's, it's, it's just a different approach. I mean, the, as far as launch companies, there was one that used barges in the sea to launch the rockets rather than finding a place on, on land that is uh, um, sparsely enough populated so that you can launch from there. They will actually also have the ability to launch from a very um, um, well-selected location, whatever they wanted for whatever orbit they, they were going to launch. So that that had them in a good position as far as uh, you know getting the payload where it needed to be with the least amount of uh, effort or, or resources. Um, so yes, launching or, or or yeah, launching from an elevated altitude. It's, it's a different approach, but again, the, the, the objective, what is their final, what do they want to do? Uh, that is, is something that is hard to see it right away. You have to look a little bit deeper into it. Yeah, like I, I don't know exactly what um, Richard Branson wants to do with space, but definitely I think um, Elon Musk has, I mean, I think he has a lot of plans and there are a lot of things that he can do with space and Starling is one example. He's really, I mean, he's really going to bring a lot of benefits to poor areas and rural societies in the U.S. as well, also in Africa and Latin America. He's bringing internet everywhere, right? And that's something that I'm looking forward to see. Um, internet is probably going to get a lot more affordable and and more competitive, you know, Um now that it's going to be satellite, um, internet, it's going to be better, I guess. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I, I do not the detail. I do not know the details of, of uh, how the Starlink works. I do believe there are low orbiting satellites, but it's still satellites and it's still difficult to, to establish a link from uh, directly from, from a user perspective. You still have to have some sort of repeating stations around like cell towers to to uh, distribute that and, and make the backbone link back to the satellites um, but yes i mean the fact that you have already coverage on, on areas that even if you put a cell tower there you're not going to get any signal from anywhere else uh, that is going to make it more uh, affordable and easier to reach difficult areas uh, um, is uh is an ambitious project uh and and Again, I don't think it's being done on a, on a final objective. Uh, the, that is going to be, a, how to say it, um, a different way to do things, probably very successful, that is going to help him finance his other projects as well. I, I don't think he has, I mean, it doesn't, definitely doesn't have any, any uh, these kind of people, they don't have any, any need for more money. 
have all the money they can they can use the rest of their lives they they're, they're interested in all things they're interested in leaving a mark behind uh, have achieved other uh, you know loftier goals and again my my money is on that they want to be the ones that establish that uh, uh, human colony in another planet what do you think will But, do it first Jeff Bezos uh, Richard Branson <laughs> or Elon Musk Well, the one that is making a lot of uh, uh, progress recently has been uh, Elon Musk with his SpaceX. Uh, they, this SpaceX industry or company. They they recently did a test of uh, I don't know if you saw this of their uh, human uh, ship that uh, that's the one that they want to land on the moon. Uh, this is a huge rocket. Uh, they they actually landed it, although it exploded upon landing. And yet, uh, the company announced this as a success, um, and and it is because you don't expect that the first um, you know test that you do you're going to be successful in every single aspect, or or everything is going to go just perfect. But uh, just the fact that they were able to launch it, to fly it even a little bit, and land it, uh, or get it straight up to land. Uh, All the information, all the data that they gather, I believe, is going to allow them to um, make incremental progress and eventually do it successfully. And and I think he's is the one that is making the most noise that we know the most. I don't know. I haven't heard a while uh, in a while from uh, uh, Blue Origins um, of any tests that they've done. I haven't heard anything. But but Elon Musk seems to be that he's the ahead of the game in that. In that area, so maybe it's going to be it's going to be uh, Elon Musk that reaches it first. Yeah, yeah, it is incredible what Elon Musk is doing with uh, SpaceX and Tesla and Neuralink and everything that he's doing. It's just amazing what he does. Um, he he's definitely one of my uh, yeah, he's one of the people I I would like to to learn from, and hopefully I get to meet him at some point. Um, so one um one last thing that i wanted to ask you just to make sure that we live on a learning note so what will what will be five uh five pieces of advice that you will give your yourself when you were 18 years old yes uh, uh that's uh, uh, an interesting question is uh, is one that's it's hard to answer because there is so many lessons that you learn along the way Especially if you're, uh, you know, my age. So I've been around for a while, and uh, um, I'd like to give myself so much, so much advice. But uh, I've noticed that the one thing I have evolved a lot is in, in openness to to different things. You know, to trying different things, to to be more um, open, to learn from other people, to to um, to not be afraid of, of, you know, going out there. So I will. That will be the. Uh, that will. And I don't know if it was that I was afraid. I was just not even willing to try. So that would be it. So learn. Le be more open. Learn more about uh, um, you know the different things that uh, are out there for you to learn, uh, especially you know in relation to um, uh, to other. Uh, To other people, people that surround you, learn more about them, learn about how they think. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, of, of out there to be learned and be more open-minded. Definitely, uh, that would be that would be the, the advice I would give myself. 
Okay, so that's number one. Uh, that will be. Uh, do you have any other uh, piece of any other? Um, I usually ask for five, <laughs> but <laughs> five. <laughs> but um, yeah, like um, I mean, that's po possibly your, the most important one for you. Um, but uh, there, I, I figure that there's always like five five key lessons that people want um, want to share or people can share and those are really useful for me so because then i take notes and i try to develop them <laughs> sure uh i i can give you at least another one while one more come to mind uh, and that is don't don't take things too seriously you know uh, it's, it's life you only have one of them <laughs> we all have only one opportunity one shot at it but at the end of the day uh, it's life and we are not gonna come out of it alive anyway so don't, don't think don't take yourselves too way too seriously don't take things way too seriously i used to be uh really competitive in like sports i didn't like to lose i was i'm not an athletic person <laughs> but i really didn't like to lose and that would be that would be one piece of advice don't don't, don't take things too seriously it's, it's not um, it's not worth the ag aggravation that you get from it. And, and at the end of the day, it turns out that it, it didn't matter that much. So try to be more uh, open-minded. Don't take things too seriously. Uh, that's that's a, a, another thing. Um, you want a piece of advice of something that I learned not that long ago, but, but um, it has it has marked a, a you know a very definite line in in my life is be mindful what you eat be very very mindful of what you eat uh, uh, there is a saying in the u.s you know you are what you eat <laughs> and and there are so many the food industry has evolved in so many different ways there are so many different types of uh, foods now the classifications right organic and uh, grass-fed and uh, <laughs> vegan uh vegetarian vegan <laughs> i call myself a meatitarian <laughs> i eat meat <laughs> um it, learn more about that we all think we know what we're eating what's good for us because we heard it somewhere but mm -hmm. how many books about nutrition have we read right uh, <laughs> yeah very little it, most people don't very little yeah most people don't even read one uh, haven't read one. Um, well, I, most people I, don't even read a book. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's true too. Um, but, it, and, and yet we believe that we know it all about food. Oh yeah, yeah balanced food, uh, balanced, uh, you know, a diet. Um, you know, I don't know, when I hear balance, it's always, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a click in my head that goes like, what do you mean? Half good, half bad? Is that balance? <laughs> yeah, like... I don't know. <laughs> or, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what we mean by balance, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but be mindful. Try to learn as much. I, I can give people, like, speeches about what's good or what's not good uh, based on what I've read and based on what has worked for me. But I, myself, I don't strictly follow any specific, you know, like, yeah, I can enjoy myself and eat whatever every now and then. But uh, try to learn. As a, as a young person, I'll tell myself, try to learn more about what's good for you. Try to be careful of, of what you eat. That, that was going to mark a big... Uh, uh, it's going to be very um, influential on your own 
person. For sure. And I, I do think that um, that's possibly one of the most important piece of advice that, I, that I've heard because uh, a lot of the times people just forget that your body needs, needs maintenance. And if you don't eat well, then it's like putting cheap gas and cheap oil and cheap everything into your car. It's just like having a Ferrari, right? And then you start giving it shit, shit gas and shit oil. Then it's not going to be a Ferrari anymore. It's just going to be a, a, a Volkswagen in a Ferrari carcass, kind of, I think. Yes, that's exactly right. That's, um, that's exactly right. It's, it's very important what you put in. Yep. So I had a professor that told me what you put in is what you get out. So don't um, uh, try, try to put the best, right? The, your output is completely dependent on your input. And, I, and, and that's even a mathematical equation, right? Like your, your, y, your y axis <laughs> depends on the, on, the, on the x axis, which is your output, or which is your input, right? So your dependent variable is always uh, on the y axis. And that's why, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mumbling here, but yeah, basically that's what it, what it means, right? Like your, um, your dependent variable will always depend on the independent, sorry, on the independent variable, right? Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, about talking about dependence and independent variables, uh, this thought that we have, um, choices that you, you think you have a choice to, to do things or not to do things but there are little things that we can really choose right uh, uh, I always think like well I can choose not to work but then then, then I'm choosing not to eat because <laughs> you need money to eat so yeah. so there's not really a choice so you might have a choice where you work maybe depending and if you're lucky or, or you have you know that kind of advantage depending what do you do? But many times, not even then. Some people have a job and they, they're just so afraid of even look for another one because um, they're afraid they cannot find one. So they're, they're, we think we have choices. We think I have a choice of what car I drive, but not really. It's very limited in the range of the things that I can buy, can afford, right? Yeah. So we the choices are limited. As far as food goes, That that is a choice that we can really make. Yeah. You know, you can, you, that, that is something that you can really pick what you want to eat. It's not like we cannot afford vegetables or fruit or anything like that. We can. In fact, they are really affordable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there is when I believe we have a real, a real, uh, uh, you know, cho uh, a real choice. Yeah. Well, I, I hear a lot of people saying that um, a healthy diet is very expensive, but look, um, nobody's asking you to buy organic. Right, organic uh, meat and organic um, vegetables like that's expensive. But if you if you buy vegetables, I mean, the, because I think they they think the substitute for chicken wings is organic broccoli. But it can be just you know broccoli, or it can be chicken wings that are not deep fried as well, right? Because chicken wings are not bad uh, in general. I mean, they they're meat and they 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 have protein inside. And if you eat them in a balanced way, you know, you, you understand how much protein you need, how much meat you need, then you should be able to, to figure it out. But I think uh, I'm, I'm super guilty of this. Like we know how to take care of our body, but then um, we're, we're lazy to do that. 
you know and i think that's something that happens to everybody we don't do it <laughs> yeah it's like ah, you know today <laughs> yeah. i just want to eat chocolate or today i just want to eat deep fried wings <laughs> or i don't know like you know we're we're so i think once you have money on your pocket and and you're going through a hard time um and nowadays media is telling us that it is okay to 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 give us to give ourselves some break you they always say oh yeah like you know if you're going through a hard time make sure to take some time to eat a donut or whatever like you know give yourself some pleasure but i think that that sort of message oftentimes translates to well you know i'm i'm feeling kind of bad so i'm gonna eat a donut or i'm feeling kind of bad so i'm gonna go eat a hot chocolate or whatever oh drink a hot chocolate sorry um or whatever it is but uh we are just giving ourselves too much too much too many rewards for the amount of work that we're actually doing and i think that's just the way we were raised you know as kids i think we we had soft uh in a way softer parents i think uh, yeah i i believe there is some some uh, uh truth in that 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 uh especially in new generations are very used to instant gratification and that that is uh, something um uh that that is a new phenomena and, and it has caught a lot of people by surprise so that that has had an impact on on other areas like nutrition to see child obesity being a problem worse it wasn't in the past not as as, as big of a problem it is now um It, there, there, there's going to be ways to to overcome that that situation, but yeah, it caught us by surprise, and I believe is is a little bit part of that. We we believe that we know how to feed ourselves. We we believe that we know how uh, what's good for us, and and sometimes we do, but even then we don't. <laughs> that's not what we what we eat. So I think if you base that on on actual knowledge, on actual science, on actual book. Um, then, then it will be easier to to make to make the right choice, and and that's um, we yeah. don't have to become nutritionists for that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, and but yeah, we need some certain level of knowledge. And and look, I'm I'm not against paying a nutritionist to give giving me a diet. You know, they're professionals. It's the same way that you and I get paid to do our jobs. We're professionals in something, and that's how how we get it. And but I think people need to understand the ba the very basics of nutrition, right? They they need to understand that if they eat chocolates every day or if they eat uh, a lot of sugars every day, then that's probably not the best for for their health. And I have been I have been guilty of that too, uh, especially this time. <laughs> I ate a lot of chocolate in Christmas, so <laughs> that was not healthy. <laughs> but sometimes it is okay, yeah, right? It happens. It happens. Anyways, um, thank you very much for, for your time, Eduardo. Uh, it's the day after Christmas, so I don't want to take too much of your day. Um, I really appreciate the, the, the entire time that you're putting in this interview and also um, uh, just the knowledge that you're sharing with me. It is completely amazing. And um, I hope we can uh, talk again sometime and we stay in touch. Uh, anytime that you come to Vancouver, let me know and I'll give you a tour around here. All right, perfect. Yes, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Um, yeah, absolutely. Next time I'm in Vancouver, I'll let you know. And if you are over in this area in Pittsburgh, uh, let me know too. I'll be happy to, to show you around. Hopefully the pandemic will be over then. 
<laughs> and you'll be should be around. I um, hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. uh, and to our listeners, thank you so much for coming to listen to our podcast again and hope you enjoyed it. Well, goodbye, everybody.